89th episode of the Hondo Handy Podcast, brought to you by Residence Inn by Marriott, your journey to an unforgettable stay in Ocean City, Maryland, located at 300 Seabay Lane, call 410-723-2222, or find them on the web at residenceinnoc.com. My guest today is Mike Jones. How are you doing today, Mr. Jones? Pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, great, great. Fantastic to have you on to, to share your journey, and you certainly have had one. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. Uh, Mike, let me tell my listeners a little bit uh, about you before we get started. Uh, okay. Mike played college basketball at the University of Hartford from 1981 to 1985, where he earned his bachelor's degree in communication. He currently works for the Department of Defense, where he has been employed for 35 years. He coached Hartford Community College from 1992 to 2001, where he re-energized the program to lead the school to the most wins in 20 years in his first season of 11, and followed that up with even more wins the next year with 16. Mike has coached on the college level, high school level, and AAU levels. He has also been a consultant. He has been, he also has worked several basketball camps, including five-star basketball camps, Cootstown University, and Dudley Bradley's basketball camp. All of his children have been involved in basketball at the college level, and two of his daughters are playing in the WNBA. One son has played professionally overseas, and his youngest is currently playing for Cecil Community College. Congratulations, Mike. You have had an impressive career so far and look like your family is continuing your tradition. Well, I, I thank you. I appreciate it. They're trying. They're, 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 they, they, I think they've surpassed me, man. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't make it as far as uh, the NBA. Well, Coach, um, tell my listeners a little bit about you, uh, maybe your upbringing, uh, maybe where you grew up and uh, if you played any sports before high school. Okay. Well, I grew up in um, Aberdeen, Maryland, a um, place called Perryville, Perry, well, you know, Perryman, Perryman, Maryland, uh, just just a little bit south of Aberdeen, in, in a part of Aberdeen. Um, the sport that I played prior to basketball, which was my my favorite sport until I grew and really grew, uh, was baseball. I always thought I was going to be the next Hank Aaron. Uh, <laughs> I was I was pretty good at baseball. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was pretty good. I, and I, I will, and I, I actually played with one of the Ripkins. I played with Billy Ripkin when I was 11, and he was on my team. But I was the best player on the team. But but he was pretty good. And and his father used to come out. His mom and dad used to come out to the games, obviously. And his father taught me how to throw a knuckle curve and a regular curve because I I was a pitcher, played first base. And um, like I said, I was a good hitter. So I probably averaged about three home runs a game. Some I would hit deep. Some I would just hit them and just run them out. Um, I had pretty good speed. So um, Cal Ripken Sr. thought I was pretty good to show me those 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 type of ways to throw the ball. Um, so, you know, our team was really good. I don't think we lost a game that year. Matter of fact, for 11, 12 years old, I know we didn't. I don't think I lost more than one game in two years. Um I got the 13, 14, which was eighth grade. I think we lost a few. I lost a few more games. Uh, that team wasn't as strong overall. But I played baseball from basically five years old until high school, ninth grade. Um, by the time I hit ninth grade, 
I was now six foot five, well, six mm. foot four ish, six foot five ish, and my strike zone had changed. So I get to ninth grade <laughs> and I'm um, trying out for the baseball team. And, you know, at practice, they're throwing me fastballs. Well, that's a mistake. So when they hit through me fastballs, man, I'm hitting the school building because if you ever been to Aberdeen High School, the way the, the um, baseball field was facing at the time, it was facing toward the building. So anybody could hit the ball from the baseball field to the building was had some major power. And I was basically doing what the varsity guys were doing. Um, I could hit that. I could hit that well. But you got to throw me – it had to be a fastball. If you throw me some curves and sliders, I was going to struggle. Um, so, But my strike zone had changed. So ninth grade, I realized huh, it's a little hard to hit these curveballs, sliders, and all these change-ups and all this stuff. But if you threw me a fastball, it was done. It was, was going to be gone. It was going to be home runs. Um, but at that time, I said, okay, I'm 6'5". I'm probably going to get another inch or two. I can dunk a basketball, and um, I think maybe basketball might be it. But I did play volleyball also. Volleyball was my next sport that I was really – I was I was pretty good at all sports. I mean, if I run them all down, right. I, I was pretty good at all sports. So volleyball – so I transferred from Aberdeen to Haverty Grace in 10th grade because my parents moved and uh, began playing volleyball. And I led Haverty Grace to their best records ever in men's volleyball. Um and I was all county two out of three years um, in, at Havity Grace High. And to a point where I was so good my senior year, I had Penn State come in, take a look at me for volleyball, was willing to offer me a scholarship, but I told them that I was going to play basketball. So, you know, but they did come out and check me out, and they said I was really good. Um, but I, I I just couldn't see myself playing volleyball. Even though I love I love volleyball. It was a great game. I just didn't see myself doing that in college. Um Another sport I played was lacrosse. I was pretty good at lacrosse. Um, the lacrosse coach really loved me, but I, I, I didn't like. I didn't like. It just. I just didn't. It wasn't my sport, really. Like I said, I just kept falling back on basketball. Now the other sport that really, now it was close second, would have been track. Track and field. I held uh, uh, several records while I was at Haverty Grace High School in a triple jump. The 400 meters and the mile relay, the mile relay team. Um, we were we were really we had some really fast guys. Um, my first year, and this is this is this is how good I pretty was. I was running track. I did not have track shoes because I had a size 13 going on 14 and couldn't find a track shoe <laughs> nowhere. So I ran my sophomore year at Havity Grace High School in my basketball shoe. <laughs> and still was winning some races. I didn't win all the races. I won some races. A lot of times my teammate would beat me because he was a senior and he had track shoes and he would beat me at the Tate on the 400, um, the triple jump and the high and the long jump. I even did the high jump, although I didn't like the high jump at all, but the triple jump and the long jump, I still did pretty good. I win some, I lose some, but um, it was just the fact that I could still run pretty good with these, with these and the type of shoes I had, if you remember back, this is 1979 when Dr. J was playing for the Sixers and you had to, they call it the Converse, we call them Dr. J's. All right. Um, that's what I was wearing. And um, yeah. So my junior comes, I finally found some shoes and my times went dramatically down, obviously, because the shoes are so much lighter than those basketball shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, 
that's when that's when records started to fall because uh I, I really dropped dropped uh some of those times down and the triple jump I uh, increased the um the length of the, of the triple jump but I had a good teammate and he and I competed against each other in the triple jump so we would go back and forth from who's gonna hold a record so that's what happened um but those were my those were all my sports so ba- but baseball started with baseball back when I was young right and then it and then it went on up like I said to do um uh volleyball track lacrosse all of those sports um i was just good at pretty i was pretty they, they call it pretty good athlete you do pretty right. much thing if you showed it to me i do it and I, my speed was pretty good at a 40 i ran a four four six forty in high school which wasn't bad for a man six foot for a person six five ish all right, because I was running. Matter of fact, the, the football coach, because he wanted me to play football, and I didn't play football only because my parents wouldn't let me. They were scared I was gonna get hurt. Not that I was weak or anything. It's just that, you know, they be like, "Well, you're gonna play basketball. You got there, you know, there's an injury, and you're gonna be able to play." You know, because the the football coach wanted me to be the quarterback, and uh, I was practicing with the team, going through all this stuff, and mom, dad wouldn't sign the permission slip, so. So I had to go tell Coach, like, Coach, not going to let me play. So um, one of the fastest guys in the school, he said, I want y'all, we're doing gym class. We would go out and uh, run all the time. And he and so we we, we, we timed ourselves. And he and he and he's my friend today, but he, he said to Coach Torch, don't you let Mike beat you because he's a basketball player. You know, he's not a football player. Don't you let him beat you. But we tied. And that was the day I ran a four six because he was fast. You know, I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to be, I had to be running pretty hard. So, <laughs> I, and I was, you know, competitive like that. So I wasn't trying to let him beat me either. So, um, you know, but those were all my sports, and that's how that's how I grew up. Because um, the neighborhood I grew in, we played a lot of different sports, so it it was like a natural thing. Um, everybody in our neighborhood, it was a neighborhood where we played baseball, softball. Uh, um, football, you know, we call this, you probably can't say it anymore, but, you know, where it was football and you just go one-on-one and um, you got to tackle each other. We ain't had no pads, you know. It's mm. just, go one, like, everybody across the line and you got the football, but you're trying to get to the touchdown by yourself against maybe three, four guys, okay? I won't tell you what the name of it is because we're in a different time, but <laughs> it, 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 um, it was a tough little – way to play football you know what I mean right so, so uh these are the things that we did in our neighborhood and if you were in the house that was like punishment yeah. you're gonna be in the house if your mom dad said you got to stay in man that's punishment man I can't stay in the house you got we got outside I don't care if it's cold out snow out what well, only thing kept us in the house mostly was rain right everything else we, we was outside doing it so that's how I grew up and that allowed me to do all these different sports and all these different things I mean, we used to ride the bikes all over the place. And, you know, this is all the stuff that we did growing up. Um, well, you sound just like me. I played all those sports, rode those bikes, never in the house. But how things have changed. Um, you know, now they you know, pick one sport and, and try to do it all year long and practice and do something with that same sport. Um, but, yeah, you are certainly a well-rounded player. But what – so you went to Aberdeen and uh, Havity Grace and – uh, yes, I grew up. In, I grew up in Aberdeen until my parents moved. Um, they moved after ninth grade, 
and um, then I transferred to Havoc Race uh, in the tenth grade. So, out of all your youth sports memories, uh, uh, is there one you would like to share? Your, one of your favorite ones? Man, that's tough. You that's played tough. all these different sports. Yeah, that's 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 really tough. Yeah, like, like I said, I can go back to playing with Billy Ripken that year and Cal Ripken because he was only with me one year because I was twelve and he was eleven. Right. So I moved up after that year and he still was 11 12 so that was a, a memorable year because we didn't lose any games we won championship and like i said meeting his dad his dad was working with the orioles and all that and um and then i can move i can fast forward to ninth grade playing at aberdeen and our team jv team went 19 and one mm. we wanted i don't know that the coach expected us to do that um we had some pretty good guys right. you know when i look back on that team we were tall. We were athletic. Like everybody on the team could dunk. Mm. That's probably unusual for a ninth grade team, because back then we had freshman team, JV team, varsity. Okay, the JV team was bigger than the varsity. Um, we didn't practice. The they never let us practice the varsity. I think they were scared to let us do that because you know most of the varsity guys were juniors and seniors. Um, and but we were really good on that JV team, and I just it was just a memorable moment for me because I was still like I was in that do I want to play baseball? Do I want to play basketball mode, right? And so mm -hmm. what happened was we had a, a guy on the team who was a six two guard, he's six two six three, and I was six four ish. Had a couple more guys six four. One guy was six six, and our our front line was just huge, and this guy was a guard, so he ended up getting moved up to the varsity about halfway the season because he could just shoot the ball. He just, I don't care. The three-point line that's currently, he was shooting beyond that back then. It wasn't no three-point line back in 1979-80. wasn't no three-point lines. So he was a really good shooter and an athletic guy. He was a quarterback for, for the football team and everything. And um, So he gets moved to varsity. I then become – the main focus. Matter of fact, two of them got moved to varsity. There was another another gentleman. He was about six three. He was a forward. He was a small forward because I played center. And um, those two guys got moved up to the varsity midway the season. Um, basically, what happened was the varsity coach died. He had a heart attack. Mm. Practice one day, he had a heart, massive heart attack. Died. They they rushed him to the hospital, but he passed away at basically coming out of practice that day. And so the JV coach took over the varsity. So that's when he moved those two guys up, obviously, because he coached us. And then the assistant coach took over, and we still kept winning. And I became the best player because I was basically the third best player at that point. So I remember that very well, like it was yesterday. And then, obviously, going to Havity Grace in 10th grade, we go to College Park my first year. I take them to College Park, uh, Final Four. Um, but I got hurt. I got hurt the week before the game. I stepped on somebody's foot and twisted my ankle. Now, most it was so bad. Everybody said, you're not playing. It was swollen up so bad. I didn't really practice the rest of the week. But you, I got up that morning, and I was hobbling out. My mom said, well, we'll be down at, we'll be down at Coldfield House. I don't know if you go. I don't think you're going to be playing, but we'll be there anyway. When the game time comes, the, the emotion of the time, you know, the adrenaline, I had to play because something told me nothing is promised to you 
and I had to go play. I was not my best, but me being on the court was better than me sitting on the sideline. And we played a team guy was six foot nine. We didn't have we had two more guys on my team that were tall. One was six five ish. Another guy was six four and a half. Jump out the gym, but they just weren't the defensive guys that I was. You know, they couldn't do what I did. Um, so I had to start. I had to do what I had to be out there and just try to slow the guy. We didn't slow the guy down really. He had thirty eight points, and they wow. beat us by. 10, 11 points. I know if I was 100%, I'd have scored 30. I'd have killed that cat. But I couldn't be the person I wanted to be. I had to, you know, I was more like a robot to some degree. But I felt I did what I had to do. I think I got my, I got 11 points or something like that. We lost by 10. If I hadn't played, I know they would have got crushed. Um, so I remember that because, like I said, Something told me in my spirit that you got to play because there's no guarantee that you'll make it back here tomorrow, next year, or the year after. And I didn't. I got beat every time at the, like the, the region final. My last region final, my senior year, was against a guy that ended, ended up going to the NBA. Um, he played at Virginia Tech. I, I, I just can't recall his name right now. Okay. He, had, he and I were the same height. Um, I did put 25 on him. Got him in foul trouble. Actually, me getting him in foul trouble actually probably cost us the loss because his team went to a four-corner offense, held the ball, and having a grace, we were a running team, press and run, right? Right. And so they were trying to keep up with us, and he was trying to guard me because he's like, I'm going Virginia Tech. You ain't you ain't going, you ain't got nowhere to go right now. So, <laughs> He didn't realize how good I really was. And so he, he was guarding me. That was a mistake. So he got in foul trouble, had three fouls in the first half. He had to go sit down. And now they go to this four-corner offense, and we're chasing them. We're chasing them. And they're little. And they they was pretty good guards. And we lost that game by four points. I think it was 64-60. And I had 25-26, something like that. He only had about 10. and mm. But they won the game. So, so um, that that that's those are the memorable ones. And then I move. I'll fast forward to to uh, college. Um, I go into college. I start as a freshman, and um, my first college game, I had a double double. I think I had fifteen and twelve as a freshman starting. And coach was excited. We lost the game because we we played a really good team and they had a lot of seniors. But um, like I said, I was the type of guy. I mean, if you ever watched my daughter play, she's she's pretty dominant in the paint. Well, she get that she does get that from me, because I I pretty much if you if you, if you give me the ball in the paint, I was gonna score on somebody. I didn't care who they were, it <laughs> didn't matter. Um, so that that's the type of player I was. I did my body weight wasn't as much as I probably would have liked it. Um, I did you know my rear end was was what helped me, but you know my body weight I was pretty strong, but it just. I was pretty good in the paint. That's just just how I played the game, and uh, physical. Um, guy, I remember one guy uh, he, when I was coaching at Hartford. He was coaching the girls, and he was six eight guy named Mike Blizzard. And he said to, he told he even told my guys on my team one day. He said, "Man, Mike Jones was the one guy when I played in high school I did not like to play. <laughs> he had this big massive afro, and I did not want to see him." <laughs> I think I played one game I had I played him I had 25 and 24 I started the game with a dunk so what I did was I tipped the ball to my teammate 
and I took off down the court and he tipped it to me and I got a dunk on the first two buck points of the game against him. I remember that just like it was yesterday. <laughs> uh, things come back to you pretty fast. So, um, but in college, we weren't the best team. My team was never the best team, but we had some really good players. I just don't think the coach coached us the right way. We should have been pressing and running. We never pressed anybody. We weren't a running team. He wanted us to run offense. Um, I didn't think that was the best for us, but he's the coach. You got to do what, what, he, what he say. And right. that's played, even though I thought we was really, we was really athletic guys, really athletic, quick. Um, guys can shoot, but when you play half-court basketball, anything not go your way. You, you miss a few shots, and the next thing you know, you lose a game. Um, but to go back to just to give you my dominance of a game, so I got hurt in college, so missed a lot of games, hurt my ankles, sophomore, junior year, so I kept missing games and things like that. And then my senior – I think it was my senior year. Um, now I'm not starting. And so I'm coming off the bench. So in this particular game, we were losing. We, we fight back. We get to overtime. I hadn't played the whole game. But the center fouls out. Wow. He puts me in the game in overtime. Now, it's five-minute overtime. I scored 15 points in five minutes, and we win the basketball game. Wow. <laughs> and so after the game, I got the reporter standing there looking at me in the face. Dang, Mike, where you been? Which, why has Coach got you sitting down? Well, you really don't want to know that answer. Mm. <laughs> you know, because the answer, I'm going to be a truthful. If you come to me with an answer, a question, I was the type of person, I was going to give you a truthful answer. So Coach didn't like that too well. But I had to be truthful about I had to be who I was. And, and I told him why I thought I was sitting even though I knew I was better than all the guys that was out there. Um, so that's what it was. And then my last experience in college that was ma major for me was when my senior year we played North Carolina State. I'm from North Carolina. That's where I was born. Okay. Mount North Carolina. And we played North Carolina State when they had Kozel McQueen, um, Spud Webb, and all those guys. Right, right. Uh, um, Lorenzo Charles, okay. Well, I led the team in scoring that day. My grandparents was there. My aunt and uncle, all my whole bunch of cousins, whole bunch of friends. I probably had 30 people there. And they all sat behind the bench, the, the way the gateway was set up. Everybody was behind me. And so that's the only time my grandparents ever got to see me play. And so I played 32 out of the 40 minutes, um, let them in scoring, rebounding, and everything. But we, you know, we got we got beat by 25. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were, they were, they were, they were, you know. Pro players, basically. Yeah. Right. Jimmy Valvano was the coach. Right. Jimmy Valvano was the coach. And so see. that was something that I remember very well. Um, um, uh, Mike, was there uh, one or two people that encouraged you to play sports when you were coming up? Um, well, you know, my mom played in high school. She played basketball in high school, and her team won a state. Oh. I'm in high school, and infield north carolina so mom being a basketball player it, she was five foot eleven five foot ten and a half five foot eleven dad played on the basketball team um his team wasn't very good my understanding but mom's team was very good so you know it, it was in the gene um but the neighborhood i grew up with again like i said in perryman i had a lot of older guys that you know when we were doing all those playing different things and i was growing and I remember a guy come to me, his name was, um, we called him, his name was Anthony Williams. We called him Pre. And he says, and he comes to me one day, I'm about, 
I don't know, seven, six, seven, eight, and I'm pretty tall. And he says, Mike, he says, man, you, you, you need to get this basketball. You need to dribble it. And you need to go work out and do all these things he was telling me to do. He said, I see that you could be, I think you could be pretty good, man, because you pick up stuff pretty well. You're pretty athletic. And that was the first guy that ever said that to me. And I'll never forget that. We, we was walking down the street, and he's probably six, seven years older than me uh, at the time. He was in high school. Um, like I said, I was in middle school. So that, 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 you know, being my parents, like I said, had a little background. They didn't push me into basketball or any of the things that I was doing. They asked me what I want to do, and I said, okay, I'll do it. Because my dad says when I was in middle school, I didn't want to play in the rec basketball league. I don't remember him asking me that, but he said he asked me. I said, no, I think at the time, because I thought I was going to be Hank Aaron. <laughs> so, so, I think I'll be all right, dad. Baseball is going to be it. But that's probably what I was thinking. But when that when that young fella told me that thought said that to me, that kind of gave me some encouragement to kind of move into it and think about it more and, and see what, see what I could do. And then I kept growing. So, you know, I mean, I was tall as, the high school kids basically around my neighborhood. Um, so yeah. that, that's, I would say that's where that came from. And then once I, because I knew I was pretty good at picking stuff up that, and, and then once I saw I, I, I did do better, um, then that gave me the confidence that I needed to say, okay, I'm going to pursue this. Well, you certainly remember those special moments when people talk to you and when, like, you know, when you're young, um, like after high school, you decided to attend the uh, University of Hartford, right? Yes. Well, was Hartford your first choice, or were you considering other colleges? <laughs> okay. All right. This is how Hartford came about. Okay. Phelan was working at, working at um, I can't think of the name. Oh, man, I can't think of the school that he was assistant coach at, but he was at Five Star. I attended Five Star my summer, my sophomore and junior year. And he had attended that as a, as assistant coach, and he, they were recruiting players or what have you. And he saw me there. But he never tried to recruit me to the school that he was at. I just can't think of the name of the school right now. Um, but anyway, he didn't try to recruit me for that school. So I had Northeastern recruiting me, um, George Mason. Mount St. Mary's at the time was a D2 school, but they were the number one D2 school in the nation. Um, they had won national championship. Jim Phelan was the coach there. Yeah. So um, those were the schools that were mostly on me at the time. I thought I was going to end up going to George Mason. Um, the assistant coach. Um, well, I'm having I'm having a I'm having a memory block right now because the, <laughs> the assistant the assistant coach he was his head coach at Texas when it was pretty good a few years ago. Um, and I can't think of the name right now. Not, 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 um, not the black gentleman, but the other gentleman before him. Was it Russell Springman, right? No, mm -mm. no, I can't think of his name. But anyway, he was the assistant coach at George Mason. He saw me play. He came, saw me play. They sent the other two assistants to see me play. Each game they came to see me, I think I had between 25 and 30. So they were convinced I was good enough to play at George Mason. The head coach never came. Um, I can't remember what his name was either, but he never came out. But he sent those three guys different times, and they all saw me play, and they all were convinced I was good enough to play. The problem was when the head coach called my coach 
And he said, Mike is six foot five, six foot six. He's not going to be a center at George Mason. Do you think he can be a small forward, which means you got to face the rim and do some other things? Well, he said he had, he told a man flat out he had reservations that I could do that. Well, you can't tell a college coach any of that. You can't, you can't do any of that. You got to be positive about your players. So when he told him that, that was the last I heard it from them. Because the man called me about whatever the requirements were, the, the, the allowable amount of times they could call you a week, he would call me. So I talked to the guy every week, basically. And then all of a sudden, I didn't get the call. So I called him, you know, say, Coach, what's going on? I ain't heard from you. And that's what he told me. That story he told me. So once he told me that, I was like, wow. Mm. You know, so basically he shot me in the foot. Right. He said he had reservations I could do that. Um, he didn't lead that up to me and my ability to say, well, well, maybe Mike, when he gets there, he'll he'll work. He'll, you know, he works hard. He'll probably pick it up and do whatever he needs to do. He didn't do any of that. He just said, no, nah, basically. Because I didn't know what what that, when he said reservation, I'm like, what does that mean? Go. Well, he had doubts, Mike. <laughs> so, but I go, so then I go, so then I go to um, Mount St. Mary's, top D2 school in the country. I'm like, place crowded, jam packed. Me and my mom and dad up in there. Jam packed. So the head, head assistant coach, make sure we're there. After the game, they won the game. It was a playoff game, too. They won the game. You would have thought he would have took me down to the locker room, didn't do it. Never met Jim Phelan. Mm. Never met Jim Phelan. We talked to him, finished with him. We went home. Never talked to Jim Phelan. I, so when I became the head coach at Hartford Community College, and that's one thing, I, I took my experience to say I would never do any player of mine that way. One, if I don't have nothing good to say, I'm not going to tell them something bad about you. They had to figure that out themselves, number one. Number two, I realized that if you ain't talking to the head coach, you're wasting time. So when I had the players at Hartford and coaches were contacting me to come see the players and practice, okay, I'm fine with the assistant coaches coming, but okay, when are we going to talk to the head coach? I'll put them on the spot. When are we going to talk to the head coach? Uh, if we ain't talking to the head coach soon. You're always in your time talking to my player because this is not going to work for me. And so they would, they would, if they were serious, they're going to put you in contact with the head coach. If they were not, then it would be like it was when I was playing. So I wasn't going to let them go down that road and be hurt. Okay. So they, um, they, they pretty much did what I asked them to do, or they really showed themselves and saw that they really weren't as interested in the players as they thought they were going to be, uh, or thought as we thought they were maybe, but I used my experience to my advantage when it came to helping my players when I was at Hartford. And even when I became the assistant coach at Aberdeen, with the boys and girls and, and AAU and stuff, that would be always my message to them. If you're not talking to the head coach in a reasonable amount of time after the recruitment start, they're not serious about it. Right. Okay. That they're just, they're, they're playing you against somebody else. Right. They're playing you against somebody else. Cause if they're serious, they're going to offer, they're going to offer you. Um, Mike, what was your degree? Uh, what was your major in, in college? Communication. Okay. Um, during your coaching career, uh, how, 
how do you feel you've impacted the lives of some of your players? Or do you think you have? Oh, I think I've impacted it a lot because when I was at Hartford, I had a lot of kids that some of them didn't have a father at home or what have you. Mm. And, you know, I was pretty disciplined coach. And so I was really tough on them and made them practice hard, play hard, understand some things about life. And um, those young fellows have uh, grown up. There, A lot of them are in their 40s and 30s and 40s now. And so they're doing pretty well. Some of them have kids. A lot of them have kids. Um, one guy that was my best player, he had averaged about 30-some points a game. Um, he's got three sons, and they're pretty good. Um, they're young, but they're still pretty good. The other one, another one I had, he's about 6'8". His brother played in the NBA. Um, he's got two daughters and a son. And I think his son plays. He coaches him. So some, a lot of them, they have, they went on to play from playing at Hartford and went and played four-year school somewhere. And then now a lot of them actually are coaching their kids and other people's kids, and whether it be AAU or high school. Um, they call me from time to time on different occasions. Um, I even, I even had a Zoom call with with the team, with like all the guys from my ten years. I tried to have a Zoom call and 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 have as many of them participate as possible. So. I, I would say I've had a pretty good impact on them, and it really has helped them. So I know you coached at Aberdeen. Uh, John Carroll. Yes. Four mm-hmm. years. Um, yep. And then you became a, a consultant. What what was involved with that as, as a consultant? Well, the, the only reason why I was a consultant that year was because I didn't want to sit on the bench. The coach you. wanted me. You know, he – he he was one of the guys I had helped with the AAU because I he was Jared's AAU coach and he was Jordan's AAU coach uh, mm. during certain points of time and so I was always sitting on the bench with him as assistant coach but then uh, Jordan's junior and senior year I didn't want to do that I didn't want to be tied down to that anymore so I said okay let's do it this way and he said all right that'll work so I, what I would do is just show up at practice and I would just help at practice and do what I would do and as assistant coach in practice, but I just went sit on the bench during the game. I understand. Yep. So you've been involved in a lot of basketball camps, um, the five-star Cooperstown University and Dudley Bradley's camp. Where, where was Dudley Bradley's basketball camp held? He held that at Edgewood High School where he went to high school. I I, um, I used to live in Edgewood when I left here in Ocean City. Uh, okay. I moved to Edgewood and um, – uh, at the time, uh, Ted Bradley, uh, I think he was out and played for Wyoming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We played a lot of basketball over to the Edgewood Arsenal. Right. Yep. That's right. Yep. On the, on the base there now. That's right. But, um, but yeah, so um, you've really been involved with basketball camps and, and AAU. Tell me about your AAU involvement. For how many years have you been involved with that? I started AAU when Jared was seven. Or eight, seven, eight, yeah. Because a guy by the name of Terry Mushko, who's now the Edge, he's actually now the Edgewood High School coach. But um, at the time, Terry was at Essex Community College, I believe, and um, he was running a, a AAU program called Maryland Elite. So he calls me up. He says, "Mike, he says I want you coach. I want you coach Jerry's age group." <laughs> I'm like, "What? Yeah, I want you coach Jerry's." I said, "You sure?" I'm like, "What's AAU?" You know, he kind of ran it down to me. Mm. All right, I'll, I, you know, I'll do it. So that's when I started. So Jared was seven. Jared's now twenty-eight. 
So I, I, I did that from, uh, he was born in 93, so 2000 till 2015, 14, something like that. So you guys um, have, you know, <clears throat> been involved in a lot of t championships. I see here the national championship, Division Two. Yeah, I, I, well, that was my team. I, so what happened was, um, so when I started with Jared at seven, when Jared turned 12, going on 13, because he, he was a young, he had a late birthday. He has his November birthday. So I was coaching 13 unders. And um, Terry says, so there was a 17 under team. The coach got hired to some college. And so Terry says, I need a, I need a 17 under coach, Mike. I'm like, oh, man. So you want me to coach two teams? He's like, yeah, if you don't mind. So I took over the 17 unders. So I had the 13 unders and I had the 17 unders. And um, I had a really good summer with both of them teams, to be honest. Um, and so the 17 unders, I took them to – I had to make a decision, actually, because the 13 unders were supposed to go to Kentucky. 17 unders went to Orlando. So I didn't have – you know, it was going to be a tough for me to do both. I could not do both, and so I had to make a decision, and I had to put the 13 unders aside and not let them go to the Nationals, and I had to do the 17 unders because what I told 13 unders was the 17 unders are going to college. They're trying to go to college, so they need to, they, they need to go, right? And so that's what, so that's what I did, and um, we won national championship. We, won, we lost one game. Mm. Yeah. And um... – You've been involved with that, I guess, the Team Mellow? Team Mellow. Okay, so, um, yeah, Carmelo was sponsoring the team at the time, and they was called Team Mellow. So, Hakeem, who, like I said, coached Jordan and Jarrett, he was still coaching. So, I just helped him out with, you know, helped him out assistant coach over there, Team Mellow. And then when, when Carmelo stopped sponsoring them, they became Baltimore Nike Elite. Wow, looks like you've been coaching basketball for uh, about 27 oh, years. Uh, 20, 24, 25 years. Wow. Yeah. So, Jared, Jared um, tell me about Jared's uh, career. Okay, Jared is um, – Jared, Jared, Jared was – when he started, you know, when I started coaching him when he was like seven-ish, um, he, was, he was like the tallest guy for his team. Oh. And um and um oh and you oh. um Jared was uh when he was seven he he was like a tall lanky kid, you know, kind of unorthodox a little bit. And so he came but he came around, you know, I had to put some time in um with him at seven and eight years old. But he came around quickly because we, we 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 were I worked him out a lot, like we go to the court, do a lot of work, do a lot of skill work, work on his conditioning, work on his strength, um, work on his coordination, and um, he um, he came around really quickly, really quickly he came around, and um, so his early years he was he was doing his teams did really well, uh, his rec teams played always played really well. Uh, one year they went undefeated. I don't think they lost a game the whole wreck season. Uh, I think they went 28-0, something like that, won everything they played in. Um, and then I took him. So when he turned 12, 
that's when I took him to Team Mellow. Okay. Um, Coach Bub Carlton Carrington, Bub Carrington, um, was in our tournament at Maryland Elite. We were playing Baltimore Elite, well, Team Mellow at the time. We actually played them. And so he realized Jarrett was actually 12 playing up, right? So he says, would I be interested in letting him play 12 unders? I didn't really want him to do that because he was he was in eighth grade. He was just 12, right? Yeah. Uh, but I went ahead and relented to it because I knew there was a higher level than we were doing. Um, even though they were 12, um, they were really good. So I let him go over there and, and Coach Hock coached him. And um, I helped. He allowed me to help him. And so we, 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 that's where he got his experience. And, and Jared started really exploding um, to a point where by his eighth grade night, going into ninth grade year, he became one of the top 150 kids in the country. Um, he went to the Nike Jamboree, which is located. They have that out in, uh, I want to say, Illinois or somewhere. Can't exactly where they was at right now, but wherever they have that, that that it's called night. It, it it's basically where they bring all the top players to to camp, and um. So he went to that as a ninth grade, as an eighth grader going to ninth grade. Oh, played really well. Played really well. I was getting calls. Coach Bubs called. Hey, Virginia Tech, uh, Michigan, uh, all these people. They're, they they want to talk to you about him. Blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, okay. And um, he um, he played really well. And then his team makes it to the championship. He tears his ACL in the last game in the championship game. Two minutes before the game ended, it changed his life because, um, yeah, you know his, you know he tore his ACL and he had fractured his his leg at the same. He had fractured his leg too, so he got he's got he still has that fracture in his leg. He has a pin that goes from the middle of his knee to the middle of his ankle, mm. on his left leg. So had he never had those injuries, I mean he was he. Ain't no telling what would have happened for him. You know, he, he, him playing, he taught himself how to play a little different, um, jumping off the right leg and dunking off his right leg and stuff, dunking with his left hand, things that most kids wouldn't do. He did it. Um, he got better at it. And um, he still had a good high school career. John Carroll won the BCL and the MIA in one season and never had happened. John Carroll never won a championship. So um, that happened. Um, then they came back the next year, won the MIA again, lost in the championship of the BCL. So they did back-to-backs in the MIA and the BCL, almost the BCL. They went back-to-back 30 win seasons in his junior and senior year. Um, he won 35 his junior year and 32 his senior year. Uh, I think Coach Martin said that was the first time that had happened since Dunbar or somebody back in the 80s. Um, so he had a great high school career in my mind, going over – 1,200 points, and then Loyola, Jimmy Patso's offering scholarship. He had some others, but he chose to stay close to yeah. Loyola. So he had a good career and ended up going overseas and playing. Yep. Uh, That's right. For a number yep. of years. That's, and then his last year over in the, where he was in Lati, um, his team won the championship. 
He was the player of the year, the MVP, the best rookie, the best defender. He had all the awards. And he was there. there. Yes. He went back and then he tore his ACL, his other ACL, um, in preseason, in a preseason game. Mm. And he said he didn't want to play no more. I understand that. Yeah. So that that was that was a quick synopsis of his career. All right. Now, how about the, uh, your your oldest daughter and second child? I guess that's Brianna. Brianna. Okay, Brianna. Brianna. Brianna was. Uh, Brianna's been who Brianna's been since day one. Okay. You put her when she was little. Put her in the paint. Throw her the ball. She was going to score. What? And that's what it was. And she's been that way since day one. Mm. Changed a lot. And she could shoot the ball and do some things that she couldn't do, obviously. But the basics of, B- of Brianna is the same. All right? Stronger than everybody. Um, dominant. Physical. That's who she's been. And back then, in the early part, you know, they could play against the boys. So I remember one time she lifted this boy up off the ground when she did a drop step. And um, he ran to his father. I guess his father was the coach. So he ran off the court to his father. Because <laughs> he drop stepped and lifted him off the ground and, and scored. And he started crying. But uh, she's been that way since day one. So everywhere that she's, every, as all the way along her career, that's what you see is who she has been. And I've been her, I've been the one that always said that from day one, you know when she was going through high school and then she was at, yeah, she was at Aberdeen. I didn't let her, she didn't go to private school. She stayed at Aberdeen because they have a, she was in the math science Academy because she's a very good student. So it wasn't no point going on private school because the math science Academy was good being a private school. Right. Right. So, you know, and I told her, you can be, you can be the leading school at Aberdeen, do whatever you do. And they're going to come find you anyway, because you're six foot three. Right. And show a squat. That's what she did. So sophomore, they lost in the quarterfinals, um, but her junior, her junior, they won the state. No, so, yeah, sophomore, yeah, lost in. No, freshman year they lost in quarterfinals. Sophomore year, they um, they go to the finals and lose to uh, Frederick. And saw her sophomore, they should have won that game. They lost to Frederick, and then junior year they turn around and beat Frederick in the finals, and then senior year she tore ACL and mm. Steph. Stephanie, her sister, led that team to the state final championship. Wow. And then, of course, she um, ended up playing for Maryland and yep. became a college All-American. That's right. She became college All-American at the University of Maryland in her four years and um, broke all kind of – broke broke uh, the, the – well, she didn't break, uh, I think. I think Crystal Langland still holds the record for field goal percentage by just a smidget over Bree. Career. But Bree had broke the Big Ten record at the time for, for field goal percentage in her two last two years at Maryland. Um, and she led the nation in field goal percentage her last two years. Wow. I, th- I think somebody broke that since then, but for the time she was there, she, she had that. She finished with 1,900 some odd points at Maryland, over 1,200 rebounds. Her, na- her number's in the rafters at Maryland. Yes. Because they went to the final four her freshman and sophomore year. So I told her, anybody that goes to the Final Four, your, name, your number goes up. So all the numbers up there for the girls were in a Final Four. They're not just random people. They're the girls who were the best players on the teams that went to the Final Four. Now, the men, I don't know how they pick theirs, but that's what the, I, I can tell you that's what the women do. So if you ever look up there, 
all those women at some point probably was in the final four. What was it like, um, uh, you know, for the family and for her, uh, uh, having a number called in the WNBA draft? Oh, she was excited. She was happy. Were you home? No, we went to, um, I went up to New York to the, because this was before, this was 2017. So I was there live. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, well, she obviously had a great career. We thought she was going to go in the top five. You know, she was supposed to go top five, and then she slipped. So, you know, when she made it to eight, you know, me personally, I wasn't so happy with that because I thought she would have gone. She should have gone three. Right. But hey, it is what it is. That's you know. Right. Hey, look, she showed them anyway. She's right. I mean, all the ones that I didn't put in front of her that they thought was better have not proved to be so. And I, I, I had said that even back then, that. You know, when she was in high school, I was going to go to that where they had a rank 50 something. And I'm like, and I, so I wrote this writer who had wrote, wrote this article about it. Right. And I wrote the guy back and I commented to him. I said, look, here, my daughter's done X, Y, and Z. And I mean, I, my thing was long. <laughs> and he, and he, he said, he responded. I give him credit. He responded and he said, he like, yeah, she's done pretty good. Nah, nah, nah. He just didn't see it like that totally i understand because you're not her father and you don't see her every time she steps on the court but if she's played the players are supposed to be better and every time she plays them she hits 30 ish and they're hitting about 10 or 12 i would think she's better wouldn't you um and the team wins i would still think she's better <laughs> but they were basing it on was her body weight yeah. she was heavy so they didn't think that maybe it would translate to college or something. I don't know what they was thinking based on what I was told. So then I finally found a reporter and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he wrote an article about how Brie really was um, and um, who she was. And it didn't have nothing to do with weight and it was accurate. And he said she should be in the top, top 20. And so I went to that guy and he, 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 he really loved her. And he said he had gone to these meetings and that's what their, their thing was, her body weight. And they didn't know that it maybe would transfer to college and all that. So when it did transfer to college, now they're looking, they were looking dumb. You know, that's what I always say. And, and so now she's in the pro. Yeah. And now, yeah, she's lost a lot of weight. She's not the same person she was. She's trimmed it down and so forth and so on, you know, because that's what your livelihood is. So you should get in better shape. And, but she's still the same person. She still does the same things. She shoots the ball a little bit more, but by and large, what is she known for? Standing, getting in the paint, drop stepping, and overpowering people. That's still who she is. Period. Well, she's certainly proved them wrong by not yeah. in the top five and being voted to the WNBA All Star team, and especially in, in just in 2021, and and was the most improved player in 2021. Right. She also plays overseas. Yeah, she's she's right now. Well, she's not there now, but um, they are. She plays in uh, Prague. She plays with Alyssa in Prague. So they're third in the league. The third in the league, but Bree is second in scoring in the league. Wow! Did you say something about she made a, a different team? Yeah, she just made the national team. Okay. Um, they play today and tomorrow. So um. 
Oh, yeah. I don't want to hold you up from watching that or try to get to it. How about Stephanie? How's she? What's her career been? Okay, Stephanie's. Um, Stephanie is a different player than Bree, but a lot of times she gets put in the same. Th- you know, they look at her. They look at her like, okay, you're her sister, so you you got to play a lot like her. You're almost as tall as she is, but no, they don't play the same. Right. Stephanie grew up playing guard. Mm-hmm. Stephanie played with Bree when they was little. But Stephanie was Bree's point guard, even though Stephanie was two and a half years younger. Um, she just, you know, obviously be taller. It's okay to be tall and dribble the ball. Um, and so she did, you know, she that's how she played. She played more point guard, two man, three man. That's who she was growing up. Um, like I said, the year Bree got hurt in her senior year, Stephanie took over that team and was the leading scorer and led that team to the state championship as a freshman. Um, she got all kinds of awards for that. Um, the team wasn't as strong after that. Some of the players transferred or they didn't play or they got hurt. Um, but they were still pretty good. She still kept them, you know, reasonably well at Aberdeen. And then her senior year, she got hurt like Bree halfway into, well, not even halfway in the season. They only played, they were only 10 games in, 10 games in. And she tore her ACL. Um, then at Maryland, they play her in the paint, right? But she really wasn't a total paint player. She's more of a wing. So she did pretty good at it, though, even though she played in paint. Uh, scored over 1,300 points. Um, still had a pretty good career at Maryland. Um, they won a Big Ten championship three times. And um, her career was okay. I can't complain about it at all. Coach Freeze does a phenomenal job with the girls. And um, this year... You know, then, then she didn't get drafted, so then she goes over to Poland, plays for a team. They weren't the best team in the world, but she led the team in scoring, averaged over 19 points a game, was third in the league in scoring. And then Bree's team, the Connecticut Sun, pick her up on a, on, a, on a training camp contract, but she made the team. And then she made the team because she came into practice and did the little things a lot of, a lot of girls, a lot of people don't like to do, you know. They come in, if they're a scorer, they're going to try to score. Um, but when you go to a team that's already got people like that, they don't need any more. They need you to do something else. Play role. And and so she accepted that, and that's probably why she made that team. And so, uh, you know, not that she can't play or anything. It's just that she was willing to accept that role like Bree did when Bree first got there, even though she was drafted. She sat, she didn't play very much her first couple of years. You know what I mean? She accepted the role. She was a good teammate, didn't complain. And then her time came. And that's why I told Steph, same thing's going to happen for you. Your time will come. Just deal with it for right now and it'll open up. Well, um, great. I, that's fantastic. So your first two, three kids have been in basketball, been in basketball and have great careers and outstanding seasons. But now you have uh, Jordan. Um, he's in college. Yes. He's in Cecil Community College. And uh, um, how's he doing? He's doing pretty good. Um, he's injured right now. He hurt his foot. Um, so he's missed He's missed the last couple of weeks of playing. But um, he has played pretty good. Uh, his team has only lost one game. I think they're ranked in the top ten in the country. Uh, for junior college, uh, I think they're D2 Juco. So uh, I think they're ranked top ten for sure. Um, but um, he's doing okay. You know, he tore both his ACL, so that that's slowing him down a little bit. So he's put a little weight, 
but um, he, he he's doing okay. I can't complain. Yeah, he's gonna look for the for the for his times up over there. What what year is he in? Freshman year. Freshman. Oh, he's that time. Yeah, he's got one more year there. Well, coach, um, uh, how would you? How do you think your coaching has impacted some of the kids that you've coached? Well, I think the way well, I think it's impacted in a positive way, because like I said earlier, um, a lot of them didn't have a whole lot of direction. Sometimes when they came to me, some of them was really talented, really good players, but didn't have no direction, didn't have good grades um, or had some kind of personal issues going on. And so I tried to help them with those things. And I think I did a pretty good job for the time that I was doing it, even whether it was at the Hartford Community College or even when I was coaching the boys at Aberdeen or the girls at Aberdeen or the girls at Fairfax or wherever, wherever. I always try to keep the message the same, you know, because a lot of those kids not all have uh, uh, a solid family life. You just don't know what people are going through. And so – you always try to be positive with them. You know, you try to be tough on them, but you try to still be positive and let them know there's there's another way to do this. And you let the bas- you don't let the basketball use you. You use the basketball to help you get to where you want to go. Right. Okay. And so that would be always my message to them. Um, and to let it get you to one, does he get you a degree, right? So that you can be productive citizen in the world. Um, um, whereas I haven't coached in a couple of years and I probably was doing it, you know, cause like, like now I'm a born again Christian. And so if I was to go back to coaching now, I probably would have a little bit more God in it. Um, but I think I, I probably had it in there a little bit and didn't know it because I used to talk to my teams a lot. And I remember my assistant coach who's now a minister, a pastor, whatever he's been doing that for about 15 years now. And he used to stop practice. He used to after after I'd give one of them long talks, he'd be like, "Man, coach, I should have, I should have, I should have recorded that because that was a good message." <laughs> I was doing that, and and I may I may not have been walking the same walk I'm walking now, but I always felt like doing the right thing. I always felt like giving them good, positive messages that would I thought would help them, and and I think it it it, it has worked because, um, like I said earlier, a lot of those a lot of those kids are now grown. They have their own kids, their own families, and they're doing really well. Some of them are doing really well. And they call me from time to time. Um, I got one, he stops by and sees me every now and then. And, um, you know, I just think they all do, you know, it's really, I think I was really positive. I think now that I'm walking the walk I'm walking now, I think I could probably do even a better job because now I'm going to include some things about God and this and that. And, and probably give it to him in a different perspective right. than maybe I had given it to him before. So I am looking to probably go back into a little coaching um, in the future uh, and, and carry that in with me because I, I, I think it's necessary. You know, we have a lot of kids out here, like I said, they're just missing some direction. They just need somebody positive around them to talk to them and keep them, keep them guided in the right direction. What um, uh, would you say you like most about coaching? Dealing with the kids. Dealing with the kids. Because right. I look at every kid that I've coached, I look at them as an extended part of my family. Period. 
I love them as much as I love my own. And they know it. And they need that. Yeah. And so that's why they respect me. Like those guys would run through they would run through a wall for me. I had one kid hurt his hand. He fractured his hand. Mm. They wrapped it up. This white guy. He wrapped it up, right? Mm. He says, Coach, I want to play. I'm mm. like, hey, play your hand wrapped up. So he, he gets dressed. And he goes out and he asks the ref, is he okay? Can he play with that? But because it was a soft wrap, mm-hmm. they had wrapped, they didn't put no, it wasn't a hard cast or anything. They said if he wants to play, coach, he can play. Mm. Mm. I let him go out there and play, man. He played with his left hand. Mm. You see what I mean? That's the type of guys that I created. Because I won't say they all were like that when they came to me. Right. But I instilled a certain thing in them and they, they picked it up, and so they just wanted to to do whatever they could. To, it was the best with the team. It's always always coach team first. I don't care how good somebody was because I had some really good players, but it's still about the team. And nobody out here can win by themselves. Right. Okay. And if you miss some shots and all that, okay, it happens. I don't know nobody that can make every shot, and uh, not even the best player in the NBA can make every shot. So why are you worried about it? That's my job to, to to manage the team and you know the players and and what's going on and don't even worry about it. just go play your game and do and do what I ask and everything will take care of itself. Yep. Once they saw that I you know I was a man of my word and when they had issues they could call me. I would get more phone calls between tw- before twelve o'clock <laughs> at work than you can imagine. Coach, I got this going. I got that. I got this. I got that. And I would always be there for them if they had issues with their parents, if they had issues with their girlfriend, whatever. I would always. I always try to give them something. So that's that's what I that's what I like the most about the coaching is that being able to deal with with the players and and helping them be better people and be more productive and so forth and so on. Mike, what would you uh, tell a kid about following their dreams? I would tell them to to if they if they got dreams, they whatever they want to be. Who's to say they can't be it? But you got to put work, time, study it, research, whatever it is you want to be. If you want to be the best basketball player, then you got to put time in it, okay? Kobe used to get up at 3, 4 in the morning and go do more than everybody else did all day. Mm. All right? Michael Jordan did the same. So why are they considered some of the best players in the world of all time? Because they did things that nobody else would do. Um Probably business people, they they get up before everybody else and probably do things that maybe others don't do. I don't know, but I think if whatever your dream is, you can you can be it, you can achieve it. You just have to put time into it and, and effort, and because it's not going to just come to you. Nobody's just going to give you anything, but you just got to work at it. Well, Coach, I got a couple more questions, and uh, we wrap it up. But okay, I've always been a, a advocate of good sportsmanship. What role would you say good sportsmanship plays in youth sports? Man, it's important to get good sportsmanship in youth sports because you have so many parents, um, you know, when their kids are playing. Yes. <laughs> Michael Jordan right off the bat. <laughs> so, so everybody's not Michael Jordan. You got to understand. So that's the that's the part where it's tough when you you got to manage the kids and you got to somewhat manage the parents <laughs> because all of that plays a part in how their kids going to play. Yeah. And and I I've, I've dealt with all of that at all the different levels, all the different levels. Mm. 
And I'll just give you a, a quick example of one where I had this one kid. He came from D.C. And um, he wasn't playing as well as I thought he should have been playing. So I didn't play him that much. So he brings it. So he had his mama come up to the school. Now, his, you know, his mom grew up with my cousins in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. All right, so they know my people. Right. Okay. That has no bearing on what I'm going to tell your mama. Okay. It has nothing to do with it. I'm going to give your mama facts. And so what I would do is I would keep stats on practice. And it didn't have nothing to do with how many points you scored. It was all about that other stuff. Deflections. Steals. Help on defense. Block shots. Rebound. Diving on the floor. All those other things I had to managers keep stats of, right? And right. so end of practice, they would say, okay, Joe Blow had a positive 10 coach, so those guys didn't have to run the extra sprint. But if you had less than 10, that means you weren't hustling. You weren't doing all that other stuff. You were being selfish, so that's probably why you don't have anything going on. So you're going to have to do some extra running, all right? They didn't like my running. So these are the ways I tried to motivate, all right? You're sitting because you're not doing anything at practice, and the stats are showing this out, okay? And so when his mama came, and I pulled out that stat sheet with his name on it and showed her that this is what he's not doing while he's sitting. Uh, she said, excuse me, coach. <clears throat> and she took that young man outside the office, closed that door, and I heard her fussing his butt out. <laughs> and, and it was a whole different day, okay? So then the next time we had practice, he was a different guy. And he changed his whole demeanor, and he became a starter. And he did what I asked him to do originally. Mm. But it was a joke. He thought it's just Juco and my daughter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, mm -mm. It's, it wasn't about wins and losses with me. It was about, like I said, molding them to make them better people and see there's a different way and hard work pays off. And if you do what you're asked to do, things will work out for you, right? And so that's what I, that's what I instilled in them. And so this gentleman... Because that was my last year at Hartford. So he didn't get to play for me his sophomore year. So he had to transfer to another school. So he goes to his other school. And this is how good I, this is how good this worked. He calls me up. He says, Coach, I'm out here at so-and-so in Kansas. Top D1 Juco. Right? Yeah. He says, got his, Coach got us running around with these bricks. All right. I said, really? Just some bricks? He said, yeah, that's what I said, Coach. I've been laughing the whole time. See, I made him run with weights. Like they had these little like dumbbells and they would run with those. Then it weights is heavier than some bricks, right? So the, he's laughing at the bricks that they're running and then they're running on a couple miles. I was making them run five. So he's like, we only run a couple miles, coach, with these bricks. <laughs> you had us running with 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 weights and you had further. He said, he said, I just want to thank you. He said, because if I hadn't been there with you, this probably would be difficult. But this is not. And he ended up coming to Towson and playing his last two years, his last, his last two years at Towson. You see what I mean? Just from that hard work. And now he's a high school basketball coach. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's mm -hmm. amazing. And the thing is, my son Jordan, when he was in high school, his team played his, his team in him. And actually got hit in the mouth and had his tooth broke in the game. But Ooh. yeah, but he's now a high school basketball coach. 
And he said, thank you, coach. If it wasn't for you, I don't know that I'll be doing this either. <laughs> yeah. So that right there shows you that if you do the right thing, help the kids, be positive, stay with them. But you got to, because like I said, you got to manage the kids and the pl- and the parents. You better have your stuff in, a, you know, in order. Because if you don't have them playing, you better, you got to be able to tell them why. Right. It's just, this is what it is. It's unfortunate that they can't sit back and just let it go. You know, you can deal with them maybe after, you know, as a parent say, okay, when you play, maybe you, you need to work on some things. You know what I mean? Because um, that's what I would do with mine when they were playing was like, I'd take them. Uh, we go, we got to go work. We got to go do work on some stuff. You're not there yet. Right. And when you are there, you're still not there because there's nothing. You never know everything. You're never going to always be able to do everything anyway. So you always should be working. Mike, uh, do you have any hobbies? Are you a golfer? No, I don't golf. No, I've been golfing two times in my entire life. <laughs> I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. They were both work experiences. They asked me one, you know, I was having a, 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 I forgot what kind of day it was for us. Uh, organization day. Organization day. Oh. And they needed an extra body to be on the team to golf. And I'm like, man, I ain't never golfed in my life. I ain't never picked up a golf club. <laughs> Come on, Mike. It'll be fun. <laughs> So I so I go out there. It is hot out there too, man. That day it was hot, and uh, but we was riding around in the carts, right? Um, Good part. Um, I didn't do too bad because it, it's the closest to the hole, right? Right. Got about a team of three. I think we was a team of three, and um, whoever gets the closest to the hole win the hole. Right. Never played golf before. I I won three holes. Now to me, that's like. Amazing, cause I ain't never played the game. Right, right. <laughs> it's hard work, but it, it's not easy. I ain't gonna never say it's easy, cause it's not. It's, it's, but I enjoyed it. I just don't go do it. My dad has picked it up, and I know he plays every week. With what actually, my friend Wilbur, who's in the past, so I told you he, he's with a group that they go play every Tuesday. But um, I don't play golf like that. I probably should pick it up a little bit, but I'm I'm still a basketball guy in my heart. And that's why I want to get back out there before it's too late. Do a little bit more. I think I got a little bit more to give. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit more in me. I think God's going to lead me down that way. And, and um, matter of fact, I met a gentleman last week, and I think we might be doing something um, with some kids in the future. But yeah, I think it might be might be for me, and it might be you know in my future again to get back out there. I understand. Yeah, Mike. Is there anything else you would like to add? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, just been, you know, I got, I got, I got married, um, for the second time and, um, you know, I'm enjoying that. And my wife, she's a God fearing person and, and we, we have, have built a God fearing household and, um, that, that's really what's, what, where I'm at right now, um. They were talking about ele- my my apostle of our church was talking about elevate me, so maybe I'll become a deacon or something in the future. Okay, you know, so that, that that's where my focus is right now. I'm I'm more focused on God and what he, what He's doing for me in my life and helping me, you know, because all this is what's got must have been God's plan for me. Excellent. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. It was God's plan for me. I I look back on it. There's no doubt about it. You know, I know He brought my wife to me. And, and, and um, that's just what it is. And, and 
think if I go back and reach back and coach some more kids and bring that that with me, um, I think I'll reach even more kids than I re- reached before doing it the way I did it before. I think I can do it just a little bit different, but still be successful at it because, you know, I was pretty decent coach. I was pretty decent. I, I do have a couple of kids that are one in the NBA, Damian Lee, who plays for the Golden State Warriors. He was on that 13 under team that I told you I had with Jared. Right. See, I, see, I, and that's why I said I, I had some good players. Yeah. I, I had another kid that was really good. He was about six six man. He could do it all. Jump out the gym, do it all, and um, so I, I've got some really good players. So uh, other kid, he played football for the Ravens, and um, even though he played basketball too, but mm. played football for the Ravens. He went to Alabama and was a cornerback. Um, his last name was Jones too. I just can't think of his first name right. Cyrus Jones. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I've yeah, done a great I've, job, coach. Say that again. You've done a great job. Yeah, I've been doing it a long time, man. So I've been blessed. I've been blessed, and I can't, I can't give it but to God because I don't think I would be able to do any of what I did because, like I said, when I was dealing with those kids and saying what I was saying, I wasn't walking the walk I was, I'm walking now, but I, I was able to find the right words and give the right messages and do the right things to help the kids that I was coaching. And coaching the boys and the girls is different, okay? I just want to throw that out. It's a little different. Um Girls are a little different, but I still tried to give them the same thing. Be honest. Keep them, keep them focused on what they should be doing as well. Right. So. Well, stay with me, Coach. And on, on that note, I guess I'll bring our podcast to an end. All righty. If you stay with us for a couple seconds here, the 89th episode of the Hondo Handy Podcast has been brought to you by Residence by Marriott. Your journey to an unforgettable stay in Ocean City, Maryland. Located at 300 Seabay Lane, Call 410-723-2222 or find them on the web at residencenoc.com. My guest today has been Mike Jones. Thank you, Mike. All right. Thank you, Mr. Handy. I appreciate you having me on. And anytime you want to talk to me, you're more than glad to reach out to me. I'm glad to talk about a whole lot of things. Well, thank you. I certainly will. Remember, if you think you can, you can. That's right. Stay safe, Mike, and uh, keep smiling. All right. You too. All right. Bye.